Hi, this is Joe Jakevich, and welcome to the Story Lanes podcast, the podcast where I tell the story of how I'm making an independent feature film while I'm making it. While I was editing the last podcast, I decided I had a lot more to say about screenplay feedback, where to get it, how I give it, how I receive it, how I use it. Now, this is a change in my plan. Last week, I said I'd be talking about business models. But I do think this is important, so we'll spend another episode discussing my approaches to making the best script I possibly can. Business models will have to wait. But first, a regular update on the current status of the film. Well, I gotta admit, I haven't gotten a whole lot of movie business done this last week. I've gotten a little feedback on the script. I had it at a five-page reading at one of the uh, Women in Film and Video events. Great organization, by the way but not as much progress as I would like. And there's a reason for that, and maybe a lesson. The reason is, I've let myself be pulled into performing in a local theater play. It's gonna be pretty funny. Little Theater of Alexandria? Rumors. End of July and early August. I didn't even audition for this thing. A improv teacher that I had recruited me into it. And it's been so long since I've been in a theater, what with the pandemic and everything, I couldn't quite bring myself to say no. Unfortunately, it's taking a lot of my time. But I figure it's not disastrous. I mean, after all, I'm not planning on starting filming until sometime next spring for reasons that have nothing to do with this. So I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit by being in a play. Still putting out these episodes, still making some progress on the film, but it's not going quite as quickly as it might otherwise. And the lesson is, if you really want to make a film, you got to make it the top priority in your life. And I swear, I am not going to take on other things between now and making of this film that I can avoid. Now, on to feedback. As I mentioned last week, one of the cheapest things you can do to improve the quality of your film is to improve the quality of the script. Rewrite weak scenes, fix structure problems, make your characters better. All it takes is time and hard work. And hey, if you don't want to do hard work, there's a lot easier things you could be doing with your life than making a movie. For me, my first feedback comes from my wife. As I'm coming up with a story, I tell it to her. When I'm writing my first draft, I read scenes to her as I write them. And when I'm finished that first draft, I read the entire script aloud to her. Now, my wife isn't a harsh, sharp literary critic. Her many talents lie elsewhere. So while she occasionally points out things that don't work, or she comes up with suggestions of things that might work better, I really get two major benefits from reading my script to her. First, reading the script aloud to an audience makes me hear it in different ways. I often find things that don't work or lines that could be better when I read them aloud. So when I read to her, I do so with pen in hand, ready to jot down notes. I used to use a printed copy of the screenplay with a red pen that I would mark up. These days, I read from my iPad and use a stylus to mark up a PDF. It works out the same, but I must admit, I do love my digital. Then, later on, I go back and I address the notes in the screenplay. There's another big thing I get from her. She's encouraging, a big fan of my work, and that is invaluable. It is important to get a strong, detailed critique from someone who tells you where your work falls short. But it's just as important to have someone like your work, someone who encourages you. 
And for a first draft, which is a precarious moment, having that encouragement is worth diamonds. So my first advice on feedback, have someone you can share your script with who will be positive and who will cheer you on. It's hard enough putting our egos on the line while writing. You really do need someone in your corner. For my second bit of feedback, I have one particular friend who I'll usually send my first polished draft to. She's also a screenwriter, so she understands the conventions and rules. But she also likes my work, so I get a lot of positive energy from her. But she has more of a critical sense than my wife, and I can always depend on her for some valuable notes. So, this is my first round of feedback, my wife and my friend. I get that feedback, and then I do a couple of new drafts, or polish. Then it's time to open the doors wider. At this point, there's a number of things I may do. I'm in some writing groups, and I'll bring the screenplay there. And let's take a moment to talk about writing groups. I like writing groups. If you find the right group, it can be a valuable source of feedback and support. But I've been in different groups with different ground rules and approaches, and it's worth discussing those. For example, I'm in one group where at each meeting, every member can bring around 10 pages of material. The group reads that material aloud with everyone taking a role. And then we discuss what we just read. There's a lot of value to that. Hearing your words performed by others is a joyous experience. But more to the point, you hear problems when you're an audience member, when you're hearing other people read your words. And you often get a feel for how the material is connecting with the audience. I've often come out of these sessions thinking, well, that scene didn't work. I could feel the audience getting bored. It was time for a rewrite. Now, sometimes you can feel people getting confused. Sometimes they'll tell you outright. That's an awfully clear signal that your script needs work. In fact, I'd say that's the most valuable piece of feedback I can get from anyone that they don't understand. I'm not always as clear as I think I am in my writing, and I really do need an outside listener or an outside reader to tell me when I'm not explaining things correctly. Maybe this is some concept in the story that I didn't get across. Maybe it's a character motivation. Maybe it's some term that I think everyone knows, but they don't. And I often write stories about technology, bordering on science fiction, near-future science fiction, typically. Technology, after all, is my professional background, so it's a world that I know well and that I often write about. And it's easy to lose people when writing about technology. It often comes down to so many details on how things work. So while I may discount many types of criticism that I receive, and we'll talk about that later, one type of criticism that I always take seriously is when someone tells me they don't understand something. I will bend over backwards to clear that up. Because I want to make sure that, whether they like my writing or not, every reader understands my writing. Now, back to that group, the Read 10 Pages Aloud group. As with anything, there is a downside to that kind of group. Writers' groups rarely meet more than once a week, and usually, in my experience, no more than once every two weeks. If you've written a hundred-page screenplay and you're reading ten pages every two weeks, well, it's going to take a while to get through. But the big problem isn't the amount of time it takes. The big problem is that by the time you're at page 90, it's been over four months since people have read page 5. They almost always forget details from that far back, which makes it easier for them to get lost. 
Further, they'll have little to no sense of the overall flow of the script when they're only reading it ten pages at a time. For example, I've had groups tell me that things seemed awfully slow in the ten pages that we just read. Well, yes, some parts are slow. That's intentional. With a screenplay or anything in long form, you need to mix some slower scenes with some more intense parts. Otherwise, the pacing doesn't work. In some cases, I have had the same people read a screenplay ten pages at a time and complain about slow scenes. And then those same people later will get a chance to read or hear read aloud the entire screenplay, and they compliment me on the overall sense of pacing. So this is one thing I have to keep in mind as I receive feedback from these kinds of groups. Now there are, of course, other types of groups. I've also been in groups where you can bring in entire works at various stages. Perhaps you'll bring in an early outline and get feedback on it. Later you might bring in a first draft. Later still, a more polished draft. The group reads the entire work and gives feedback on the whole thing. Now that's quite valuable and I always appreciate it. You don't get the benefit of hearing it read aloud, of being in the audience, but the people giving you feedback have a broader view of the entire story. Now some groups combine the two. You might have everyone read ten pages aloud, then discuss the overall piece. It's the best of both worlds, though there is a temptation in this case to always have them read the best parts, when what you probably need most is to hear the worst parts. So that's writing groups. Now let's look at something similar, the staged reading. A staged reading is when you gather together actors to read the script aloud, and hopefully you have an audience. Then, after the entire piece is read, everyone has a chance to comment on it. I've done this a few times in my scripts, and it's incredibly valuable. First off, having trained actors read the script aloud is better than having other writers read it aloud. Actors are generally better at bringing your characters to life. That is, after all, where their training lies. But beyond that, having the chance to hear your entire script read aloud to get the audience reaction to the entire story, that is quite valuable. The times that I have done this have been well worth the effort making it happen. One thing that I'd recommend with a staged reading is that you find someone else to moderate the feedback session, that you don't do it yourself. You should be spending that time registering the feedback, not asking questions. That approach works quite well for me. And one thing I should note about both groups and staged readings, I find that they both work quite well over Zoom, which is quite helpful in these pandemic days. My next regular source of feedback is the Blacklist site. The Blacklist is a site for connecting screenwriters with people in the business, including both people who produce films and representatives like managers and agents who are looking for talent. I've never gotten any real bites from these people, but another thing that the Blacklist gives you is feedback. For $75, you can get one of their readers to review your script and give you about a page of feedback, and they also rate the script in a bunch of categories. I often get feedback from the blacklist on my scripts, but honestly, I don't think the feedback I get there is the best paid feedback available. It's fairly high level and it doesn't go into a huge amount of detail. And the readers often have definite opinions on what they like and don't. I've gotten some feedback that showed that, reading between the lines, it seemed that the reader had some issue with what I was writing. Perhaps they don't like the genre, or perhaps there's something about my script that just struck a nerve. Feedback from contests is similar. 
you can often order an extra page of feedback when you enter a contest. But there too, it's fairly high level and only about a page, so it's okay, but not the best. I do find with the blacklist, though, one thing that's kind of valuable. Since they give you a numeric score, if you submit subsequent drafts of your screenplay to them, you can hopefully watch the score improve. So what is the best source of written feedback? Well, the best that I've gotten is from coverage services. In particular, I've gotten feedback on several of my scripts from a company called Coverage Inc. There's a link on the StoryLane's website. Though do note, there are other companies that also provide coverage services. When I order coverage from Coverage Inc., I typically get a 10 to 15 page document on my script. It contains a logline, a synopsis, several pages of notes, and ratings in several different categories. And it finishes with an overall assessment of the script and writer, which is me. Now one thing you might note here is, why do I need a synopsis when I wrote the screenplay? Don't I already know the story? Well, the value of this is you get to see someone else's point of view of the story that you have written. And it can be interesting to see if everything that you intended got across and what points really stuck in their minds. So the synopsis is valuable to triangulate to make sure that you're writing what you think you're writing. In any event, I've gotten a lot of value out of the Coverage Inc. coverage that I've ordered. It's more expensive than a blacklist reader report. It runs $139 for a feature with lower rates for TV pilots but I found the amount and quality of feedback much higher than the blacklist. Now, there's not usually a chance to get exposure to executives through Coverage Inc., but if what you want is primarily feedback, I recommend them. Now, typically when I order any kinds of feedback, I will get two or three reports. One reader can have idiosyncratic views, but if you get the same feedback from several different readers, then you should probably pay attention. Finally, there's script consultants, people you pay to read your script, give feedback to you, and have a discussion with you. Now, I've experimented with these. For my first screenplay, I hired a script consultant named Pilar Alessandra. She read the script, and then we had an hour-long discussion on it. I got a lot of value from that, but it was pricey. From looking at her website, it looks like she doesn't offer that exactly that service now, but at the time, I recall it being around $500 and it took several months after I signed up to schedule my time with her. She's a busy lady. Since then, I found another good source of consultation. Roadmap Writers has a diverse set of executives in different programs for getting their input. I've had luck with one program where the exec reads my script, I get 20 minutes to discuss it with them, and then I have two weeks to make updates. The exec then reads my updated script, and then we have another session where they give feedback on my changes. There's a few really nice things about this approach. First, the people you meet through Roadmap are people who work in the industry, managers, producers, production company execs. So they have a feel for what's going on out there, and their feedback reflects that. Second, I find it incredibly valuable not just to get feedback, but to have that discussion, that give and take. They will point out something that didn't work for them. Then you can discuss approaches to fixing it. A couple of times during those discussions, we've together come up with an idea that really made a moment in my script pop, perhaps a visual metaphor that would make for a terrific cinema. And of course, it's a pure pleasure talking about my screenplays with people, 
something that applies to writer groups too. I found the roadmap route to be a lot cheaper than other consultant services. It cost me around $300 to have this kind of consultation with two different execs. Plus, of course, there's the chance that that person will like your writing so much that they'll offer to represent you or buy your screenplay. I've known that to happen to people, though not for me. For me, the feedback itself is the thing with the most value. Now I'll also note, I've found the roadmap consultants to be wonderful people to talk to. They're constructive in their criticism and the discussions are always pleasant. They aren't necessarily as blunt as they might be if something just doesn't work. It's hard to tell someone to their face that you think that their writing sucks. But maybe that's a good thing. Now there is one risk when you get feedback from two execs through Roadmap. What if they disagree? Well, this happened to me with Smart House. I got Roadmap consultations with two different execs, and on one key point, they gave me directly contradictory advice. One of them thought I should reveal the bad guy earlier. The other one thought I should delay the reveal of the bad guy. So what did I do? Well, I made the decision. And this is a key thing to note. You can get all the feedback in the world, but you're still the writer. You're the one who has to make the decision. You have to decide what feedback to use and what feedback not to use. Getting expert advice does not relieve you of that burden. So there you have a whole bunch of different types of feedback. I've used them all over the years, and I've used them all for Smart House, the movie that I'm making now. You get varying value from all of these approaches. Now one more thing I should note. If you're paying for feedback and you get poor quality feedback, then complain. I've had this happen a couple of times. It was clear by the feedback that the person did a shoddy job of reading or was biased against my point of view. So I complained and I got a round of free feedback in return. Remember, you're the customer here. But don't be a jerk if someone is reading your screenplay for free. If you're not paying for the feedback, don't argue with it. Just say thanks, use what you want, and ignore the rest. Now, while we're talking about feedback, there's two other major topics I'd like to discuss. The first is, how do I receive feedback? Receiving feedback is hard. It's one of the hardest things about being a writer. In fact, it's one of the hardest things about being an artist of any sort. When you're an artist, you pour your heart and soul into your work. You have to. That's the only way you're going to make anything good. And then you send it out into the world, and people stomp all over it. It's going to happen. You could make the best thing in the world, and there are people who will hate it, and who will tell you that they hate it. And it doesn't matter how good you are. There are people who hate Shakespeare. Steven Spielberg is by far the most financially successful movie director in history, and he is one of the great visual storytellers of all times in any medium. He's right up there with Michelangelo. But even Spielberg gets bad reviews. Sometimes he even deserves them. So when you receive feedback, you are courting rejection of the things that are closest to your heart. That's just the way it is. And you have to do it. There's no use letting the thing that you created just sit on the shelf with nobody to read. You have to get it out into the world or it will never truly come alive. So, I am sorry, but if you've got a really thin skin, maybe you shouldn't be an artist. 
How do you deal with this kind of pain? Well, I find that receiving feedback follows those famous steps for dealing with death. Fear, denial, anger, bargaining, and acceptance. Fear. Often when I get an email from a feedback service, I'll let it sit in my inbox for a while. I won't open it for days. I'm not ready for it. I'm afraid to read what it has to say. Fear has taken hold. But then I open it, and I glory in the nice things that it says. And there's almost always some nice things. The feedback services make a point of that. But then I'll read a criticism, a complaint that something doesn't work. And invariably, my first response will be, they don't know what they're talking about. They just don't understand what I'm getting at. They're not my audience. Denial. You know what? Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes they don't know what they're talking about. Or sometimes they just don't like the things I like, or they're triggered by something I wrote, or they have some other idiosyncratic response that won't be universal. Or maybe what I've created is for a niche audience, and they're just not in the niche. That's okay. Not everything is for everybody. Now, if I get feedback from five sources, and four of them love it, and one hates it, then maybe I'm justified in ignoring the one. That person is an outlier, and you can't please everybody. So okay, move on. But if four of the five think there's a problem, there's probably a problem, even if I don't think so. And that's denial. Anger is kind of a more extreme form of denial. If denial is, they just don't get this, anger is, what are those idiots thinking? The same rules apply as for denial, only really, anger isn't useful. There's better ways to use your emotional energy. Bargaining. This one's fun. Okay, so maybe there's a problem. But I can fix it by just adding one little line. The problem goes away then, right? I don't have to mess with my magnificent structure. All it needs is a comma. Now, sometimes that's true, but sometimes major screenplay surgery is required. You can't always fix a major problem with a minor change, even if you think you can bargain the universe into thinking that a minor change is all that's needed. I find it a little difficult to dive into doing major surgery on a script that already exists. Because here's the thing, if I make a major change in my screenplay, the first draft after that change is going to be worse than the one before it. Maybe it puts me on a path to make the screenplay a whole lot better, but the earlier draft has gone through many rounds of polishing, and the new stuff is going to be as rough as sandpaper. Now, you know, there's a concept in computer science called a local optimum. That's when the solution you have is better than anything close to it, but maybe not as good as something a long distance away. That's kind of what happens with screenplays. It takes a strong stomach to do that major surgery. And sometimes I can only force myself to do it by pretending it's not real. It's only a draft. I can throw it away any time. I almost always keep the draft, but I pretend that I won't when I'm doing the writing. Sometimes it's helpful to pull these little tricks on myself to help get me to do the things I should do. Anyway, we've gone through fear, denial, anger, and bargaining. Time for acceptance. Acceptance usually takes me a while, sometimes days, sometimes even longer. But once I've accepted the feedback, I'm ready to fix the problem. And how to fix the problem? <laughs> well, that's a whole other discussion. 
but I will tell you of the typical life cycle of a draft for me with feedback. I write something. I'm certain that it's brilliant. Best thing I've ever written. Amazing stuff. And then I get feedback. Someone points out something that isn't working. I am convinced that person is an idiot because obviously my writing is perfect. And then I put it aside for a bit. And after a little while, after things have calmed down, after I'm a little more distant from my draft, I will go back and I will review that feedback. Hmm, I'll often think. Maybe that person has something. I go back, make changes, improvements based on the feedback. And now I wonder how I could ever have been so mistaken about that previous draft. That previous draft clearly had major flaws. What a piece of crap it was. Thank God I fixed it. But this new draft, oh, this new draft, it's perfect. Might as well get some feedback on it, and they'll love it because it's flawless. Lather, rinse, repeat. And one more note. I once attended a session at the Austin Film Festival about receiving feedback. The panel had some amazing screenwriters, people whose movies I've seen, who you've seen. None of them found it easy to receive feedback. They all went through these same stages. It's just something you gotta work through. It's hard to receive feedback, but it's vital. I should probably mention one other stage that I don't generally go through, but some people do. And that's depression. Some people receive negative feedback and conclude that this means that they're a bad person or never will be any good. That's one reason you should always be careful when giving feedback. You really are directly touching on someone's ego. Be kind. But just because someone doesn't like something you wrote doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't really say anything about you as a person. At most, it says your piece needs work. So do the work. Or take up some other activity. There's a lot of great things to do in this world, and there's no law saying everyone has to be a filmmaker. One other thing about receiving feedback. When you're receiving feedback in person, like from a reading group or a screenplay consultation, you will occasionally be tempted to respond to a bit of feedback by arguing or explaining. You know your work is good. You only have to explain it to the other person. Don't do that. You're almost never going to convince them that they're wrong, and you're only wasting everyone's time in convincing them that you're hard to work with. If someone gives me feedback that I disagree with, I just make a note and resolve to think about it later. Well, that's what I try to do anyway. I don't always succeed. But then, if you thought I was perfect, well, surprise. I have found it occasionally useful in these cases to explain my thoughts for one key reason. My intention may not be clear in the written artifact. I can explain my thinking, see if the person giving feedback got it, and if not, find out from them if they think my intent is reasonable, and if so, try to figure out how to make it more clear. Anyway, that's how I go about receiving feedback. What about giving it? Because if you are in a writer's group, you're going to have to give feedback on someone else's writing. Now this is a tricky one. There's a fine balance here. I try to be nice, and I always lead with something that I like about the script, and there's always something. But if I think there's a problem in the script, I am going to tell the writer about it. When giving feedback, I want to hear the problems, and bluntness doesn't bother me. So that's what I tend to give in return. 
Now, I'm not going to be insulting, I'm not going to be nasty about it, but I am going to try to be clear about what I found problematic. And if they want to argue with me, well, that's okay. I generally don't join. I will explain my point, and if they don't want to use it, hey, that's their business. Now, I will say this. Some types of feedback are more useful than others. That said, here's some common types of feedback and how useful I find them. I already mentioned feedback that indicates that the reader didn't understand something. Now, as I said, I find that to be the most useful feedback, and I'll almost always act on it, even if only one person doesn't understand a point. I also find it quite useful to hear when there's boring parts. If you lose interest, let me know, and let me know where. That's quite useful. Now, some people don't like readers to suggest changes, and some groups even have rules, no suggesting changes. I do like them, especially if we can have a conversation, a bit of give and take. I have incorporated suggestions from other people into my screenplays, and I have made suggestions to others that they seem to appreciate. Grammar or spelling mistakes? Pass them on. I'll definitely fix them. In general, then, I guess I find most kinds of feedback useful. I may not use all the feedback I get, but I will consider it. And consider it not just immediately. I often go back through my notes from feedback sessions or reread written feedback when I'm gearing up to do another draft. There is, however, one kind of feedback that I find of little or no use, and that is when someone suggests that I essentially rewrite my script as an entirely different story. Or perhaps tell me to throw out the central idea of the script and rewrite it with a different premise, especially if they then suggest the premise. In essence, the person is telling me to write an entirely different script, a script based on their idea, not on mine. I once wrote a screenplay called Here Comes the Fraud. It's about a guy who is hopelessly in love with a girl who has no romantic interest in him whatsoever. So when she goes on a reality love show, the guy decides to go on it also in disguise to try to win her hand on the show. And by an amusing series of events, he ends up going on three times in three different disguises. The whole film is the story of him trying to balance all these different roles while winning her over. It's a screwball comic farce in the vein of Tootsie. Now one guy in a writer's group I was in read it and told me, that the guy should be after an entirely different character and the whole thing should be him trying to win her. And having him play all those roles? Well, it was unbelievable. Forget it. Drop that idea. In other words, throw out my premise and write an entirely different story. It was the most useless feedback I've ever gotten. Hey, if you don't like my story, that's fine. No one has to like everything. But tell me to throw out the entire story and rewrite it as something else? Yeah, I'm not going to do that, so save your breath. And I should note, and gloat, that script was a semi-finalist in the Austin Screenwriting Competition in the top 2% of all screenplays submitted that year. So maybe I was on to something with my story after all. Anyway, that's feedback. How I get it, how I use it, how I give it. And this is an incredibly important topic. The script is one of the most important parts of the film. It is vital to make it as good as it possibly can be. And to do that, you need feedback, strong, honest feedback. 
And if you're making an independent film and you're the person producing this film, no one is going to force you to accept their feedback. It's a really dangerous position to be in. Because you're almost certainly going to love your script more than anyone else loves it, and you are almost certainly going to be blind to its flaws. At least I am. And if the person whose job it is to make sure that the writer delivers the best possible screenplay is you, well, there's a bit of a conflict of interest there, so make sure you get outside feedback, good, reliable, objective feedback, and not just from your friends. It is absolutely vital, and it is the best thing you can do to make sure that you have a good movie. Now, next time we will go to that delayed discussion of business models, what they mean to a film, what I'm considering for business models for my film, and anything else I find useful to discuss about them. In the meanwhile, check us out at storylanes.com. There you'll find the script to this episode and all other episodes, along with any useful links that I mentioned, and anything else I feel like putting there. Check it out. You'll find some value, I hope. Now, one quick piece of bookkeeping. I am going to start targeting an episode every two weeks. Making one of these episodes takes me a good amount of time, and hey, I have a film to make. So making an episode every week would be too much work right now. So expect the next episode two weeks from now. And until then, this is Joe Jakevich of the Storylanes Podcast. Talk at you later.